0: We're in an artificial market right now. Demand is making people money, not necessarily the value they bring to the deal or the experience and knowledge. I'm not saying land's the only place. It just happens to be where I like to play.
1: So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchasteghi, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, you guys are in for a treat today. I get to interview Cody Bugin, who Cody and I got to have a conversation for the first time in person last week in Squaw Valley at the Go GoBundance event in Tahoe. He's got a couple different companies, Allied Development and Vestrite. As you guys know, my name is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am your host for our Real Estate Rockstars podcast today. Cody, thanks for joining me on the call. Oh, it's
0: absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we got to we got to chat for... Well, for quite a while in Tahoe, and the biggest thing we were thinking at the end of it is, man, I want to have some of this conversation recorded so that all of our listeners can hear it because there's so many things changing in the real estate market today, so many opportunities changing, and things that agents just don't know about. So, figured today would be a great time to do that. <laughs> so, tell us about Cody. How did you? How did you get into real estate? What's the What's the Cody story and some of the stuff we're going to be sharing, people today?
0: Yeah. So. Uh- I'll just say, first of all, I, I grew up around it. Okay, I didn't, I didn't end up um, taking over any type of family business or anything of the sort. But, you know, my grandfather was a large land developer and home builder, actually the president of the Home Builders Association. And unfortunately, he passed when I was in my teenage years. But, uh, and then my dad, my dad was also a small-time home builder. I, I love my dad, but he, he taught me more what not to do than what to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was, he was a guy, he couldn't, he couldn't delegate, right? He had to swing every, he had, he had to drive every nail himself. So it's hard to scale that way. But anyway, so I just grew up around it. I was in the, I was a subcontractor. I was in the flooring industry right out of high school and got to just rub elbows with a lot of these phenomenal individuals. Our company, we were servicing a lot of the publicly traded businesses. And, you know, one thing led to another and I had, I'd kind of maxed out to, to some degree, and where I could go with that particular trade. So, an individual approached me and and asked me. Well, I was out looking to try to start my own business, and one thing led to another, and him and I started a land development, home building business back in 2002, actually. So I've, I've been I've been at it a while.
1: So where were you when you started your land development in 2002? I was up in uh, the Portland metro area, up in Oregon. Yeah, and those public. So was that Pulte up there at the time? Was it Shea? Who it was, was like, up in Portland?
0: It was like, well, clear back then, it was... Uh, so it was DR Horton, Lenar, Syntax. Yeah. Uh, those
1: guys. Yeah. Yeah, 2002 for... For some of our, our younger listeners, that you guys have heard me talk a lot about, the, especially recently, like the peak of two thousand five, two thousand six, and the crash of like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and two thousand and three was when I you know graduated um, you know from college in construction management, and I started new, building new homes. So we were building new homes in Southern California. I went and interviewed with all you know the Sentexes and the Pulties. and man, it was a super fun business. But land development was the most intriguing part for me. Right. Because you got to kind of go to what what is the I guess it's 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 not as repetitive as building a house. Like building a house is awesome. But land development was so cool because you could look at these hillsides and go, hey, we're going to take that. And what do we need to do to figure out on paper? You'd look at it and go, oh, that thing, that land is a couple hundred thousand dollars. And zoning says I can get 10 houses per acre. All right. I'm going to build 30 acres and it's going to cost me whatever. And it's a lot more more complicated than that. 2002, it was a really, really busy industry and a busy time to be getting into land development. Were those big public builders your first kind of customers?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of local and regional relationships as well. You said something a moment ago that I hear all the time and that people are so intrigued by land and land development. And And everybody knows there's money in it. Right. They know that the Lord's not making any more of land. Yeah. Right. The supply is limited. So it's a great asset to be a part of. But there's very little, very little education out there in that space. Like, how do you take a piece of raw land, take it through the political approval process and, You know all the bureaucracy and red tape and hoops you got to jump through, and the unknown is scary, right? For a lot of people, there's fear of it, and so everybody just avoids it. So I lucked out in that I, I just went into it, right? I was kind of blind, didn't know any better, and and uh, I man, a lot of failures I learned the hard way, but I'm so thankful today I did because. You know, like we talk about Invest right or if you see my ads on Facebook or whatever it may be, we talk about it being the last blue ocean in real estate. And the reason it's a blue ocean is because if I go talk to 100 people, maybe one of them know anything about how to go and find off-market raw land that has development potential and knowing all the things you need to take into consideration to know if there's even an opportunity. Yeah. And so… I'm just, I count my blessings that it's an industry I've been in for almost 20 years now. And, you know, I'm, we're somewhat in control of our own destiny. I'm not, you know, I'm not battling. I mean, you look at, you know, you're talking about the world of being an agent. I mean, you're working with a buyer right now. I mean, how many people are standing in line to view that home and make an offer? So just in the land game, it doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. You know, agents, so you guys, listeners right now, you guys are understanding why I'm bringing Cody on the show today. I mean, we've had so many problems lately with there isn't enough inventory. Everybody out there has buyers, but there's 100 offers on every house and they can't get it. If you guys listen to the end, Cody does have a class. He's going to give some special discounts for you guys to be able to sign up and learn more about it. But there is so much. It is a thing that most agents don't know about. So, guys, be ready to take some notes. You're going to continue to learn about that in this process. But remember to, like to stay to the end because every agent should know more about land, especially right now as prices are going through the roof. And there could be a correction that brings prices down. But if not, you know, land is that next blue ocean. I actually got an email sent to me yesterday that was like, Hey, here's 160 acres in Ventura, 600,000 bucks. And my eyes first go to the, Oh my God, that's an amazing deal. I should buy this thing. Cause they're not making more land. Right. It's yeah. not that simple because you have to figure yeah. out like, will there ever be houses here? Can you ever get water? There's there's so many different pieces to that, but you're right. When, it, when it's so hard to get houses in different areas, people see land and go like, wow, like that is That's the next spot to be able, people are talking about creating inventory. That's the way that more inventory gets created.
0: And the reality is if you, as an agent or as an investor, you know, as a business owner, if, if you get in at the raw land stage, understand you're in control of that deal. You're in at the very beginning of the process. And you can decide, dictate what you want to do. Maybe you want to stay all the way through to approvals and sell it approval to an actual developer. Maybe you want to develop it. Maybe you want, to, you want to be a part of building the houses, but you're getting in at the very beginning stage of the process, which then talk about vert, being vertically integrated. You, mm-hmm. What the type of returns or paydays or what you can do for your business, or your legacy, is is substantially multiplied the earlier you get in in the stage, right? Yeah. So as I as I'm about to say something, I don't want anybody that's listening to this that's an agent to take this personal, okay? Mm-hmm. First, let me say we majority of our deals, almost 99% of our deals, we do off market, okay? So we have a very strategic, systematic way where we utilize technology and other resources where we know how to find off-market deals. We know how to identify them. We know how to analyze them. We know how to price them, structure them, all that, okay? I've actually taught a few GoBundance guys the basics of what we do. Yeah. The, take a listed deal. Okay, Because listed deals come to me all the time. And on occasion, we'll buy a listed property. Agents, here's where I don't want you to take anything personal. Every time that I can think of lately, I ask that listing agent to step aside. I ask them to go to the sidelines and be a part of all the meetings. Be a part of the process, but just stay out of my way. Okay. Observe and learn. Okay. If you think I'm out of line anywhere, correct me. I'm here to be humble and grow. But the problem is because agents don't know how land deals work and how land development works, all they do is make the deal more complicated.
1: real estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now rent ready it can be fun getting a new real estate deal but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself that's why we're here to tell you about rent ready rent ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform but they also have the best customer service support in the biz They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't going to punish you when you grow. They're not going to charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're going to charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out. Rent ready. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot and if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R 50. That's Rockstar 50. And sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get Rent Ready for only $54.
0: You know how sometimes you hear where attorneys are accused, some attorneys are accused of being deal killers? Yeah. Okay. An uneducated agent trying to sell a raw piece of land that has development potential, they oftentimes are deal killers because they have no clue how the process works. Okay. If you think I'm going to go buy a piece of development land where I'm going to pay development prices, And I'm only going to have a 10-day inspection period like you do with a home. Or I'm going to close within 30 days. You have completely destroyed any opportunity you have of getting that deal sold. Because if I'm going to pay development values, I got to make sure it's developable. And it's not developable until I get it through the political process. So when you create expectations with your seller that there's no education behind, you have no, so they call and they tell you they want to list it for 5 million or 10 million, or whatever the price is. Okay. Because you don't have the education needed. You don't know how to truly value that property. Oh, well, I pull cops. Land isn't like, like cookie cutter homes. Okay. Land, every piece of land costs a different price to develop. Okay, uh, different land is worth different prices based upon how it's zoned. Are utilities there? Or am I gonna do, have to run off-site utilities? Is there any overlays? There's a gazillion boxes you need to check. That's an exaggeration, but there's a whole lot of boxes you need to check in order to truly know what that land is worth. So when Joe Blow calls and says, hey, I wanna list my land and you say, oh, okay, great. More than likely, you are going to create an artificial expectation with that client because you don't know how to value that land. Yeah. You're also going to create an artificial expectation as far as the terms of the deal and how it should go down because it doesn't go down like a home sale. It's far different. However, let's just use an example. Let's take a piece of land that once I get it through the political approval process, Okay, it's called the land use process. Once I get it approved is when I close, okay? I don't close until after I get my approvals in place. And no developer, I got to be careful what I say here. (laughs) Any developer that has been around the block isn't going to either. So let's just say a piece of land is worth 300 grand an acre, okay, at approvals. Understand, I'm not paying the 300 until the approval's in place, And that could take me six months, a year, year and a half from the time that I complete my due diligence. And I never need less than a 90-day due diligence for me to cross all my T's and dot all my I's. With that said, you've created an expectation with this seller because of your lack of knowledge. And here again, it's not your fault. I don't expect you to know this stuff because it's not being taught. Well, until now, that's right, of course. Right. But, <laughs> but my my point is, I'll close now. But guess what? I might be paying thirty grand an acre for it because I'm going to pay as is value. What is it worth as farmland? And it might be worth thirty grand an acre versus three hundred an acre. So my point is, blue ocean for agents. If you want to go and and carve out a marketplace for you where you're, you're the, you're the go-to agent. There's very, very, very few agents out there that truly can brand themselves as understanding raw land in the development space. Very few.
1: Yeah. Being able to find that and the, being able to learn as an agent now, like what Cody's saying, to be able to know what something is worth And why at those different stages, you know, an agent that we recently had on the podcast, you know, he's been developing some land for years. And now he just told me he's got 300 finished lots coming on board in three months. Right. And what an amazing time. But he started this project three years ago and there's different levels of investment. So let's back up a second, do a couple little individual educational pieces for people. So there is all sorts of types of land. So there's, you said raw land a bunch of times. I want you to tell people what that is. What does it mean if it's, you know, tentative approved, final map approved, finished lots? What's the difference in that process? Because people are going to see a land listing. Yes. And you know, for like really, you know, early education for agents, there's four or five different types of land. What do they mean?
0: Yes. Yes. Good question. And you know, when you've been doing something so long, you just, you know how it is. So, right. Not everybody so knows the difference la- in
1: raw land and tentative and final. Let's let's go to the, the let's yeah, go to those okay. steps. Cool. Sounds
0: good. So, raw land is basically a piece of land and it could, we still call it raw land even if it's got a house on it or a structure, okay? Okay. Raw land is a piece of land that basically has no entitlements in place, okay? No approvals in place. It's now you could have a raw piece of land that is just rural land, right? You yeah. know, rural. Farmland. You could have a rural land that's Zoned for commercial, you can have a piece of land that's zoned for industrial. Zoned for, you know, residential five thousand square foot lots, residential twenty thousand square foot lots, half acre. Zoned for multifamily apartment complexes, but until it's gone through the political land use process to get any type of plan approved, until it's gone, and, and I'll take you through those steps. Until that process. We just look at it's called raw
1: land. Okay. Yeah. So that could be a, that could be a field that could be a house on it. That could be a commercial building, but most of the time there's, there's no roads and it's kind of like in theory, you can put this on there, but there's no guarantees at the raw land stage. There's no guarantees in theory. You could put five or six houses or you could put a hospital or you could put this, but raw land is it's it's all in theory at that point. Right.
0: That's right. Right. And okay. so it's all theory. Now there's been plans and there's been lots of planning that's gone into zoning that property the way it got zoned. Mm -hmm. But understand until you go through the political approval process, you have nothing but a field. Okay. That's all you've got. So if you want me to close now, I'll pay for that field. Yep. All right. But if you give me the time to go through the process, that's where the paydays are for property owners. So, We go, let's say we go and we tie up a piece of raw land. Okay. First thing we do is we'll go through what we call our 90 day due diligence period. Mm -hmm. And during that due diligence period, we're going to get in, we're going to, we're going to get into the fine tuned details of the property and, and what we can and can't do with it. Thing we're going to be looking at, you know, really looking at the topography of the land, the boundaries of the land. We're going to be looking at, is there utilities already to the property? Say, let's just, the the, the the public road that's out, that leads to the piece of land, are utilities already in that road or are they not? And if not, where are they? And then how much money do we got to spend to get them to the property? We got to look at utility depths, all this stuff. Okay. I go on and on and on. But so what we do is we, we, we figure all that out and we'll lay out We'll do a layout of the type of project we wanna do on that land. Okay? Put that layout together. And then we'll submit that to the jurisdiction, to the city, to the county, whoever's the overseeing political body of that land, right? We'll submit what's called a pre application packet, okay? And we'll submit that pre application packet. And a part of that is requesting a pre application conference. So this, the jurisdiction, the planning department takes this simple, very simple application you put together and they'll schedule what's called a pre-app or a pre-application, okay, to your actual land use application. We yep. go in, we do that meeting, a part of our due diligence, and they tell us, oh, you guys, your plan's horrible or your plan's great, but make these changes. Oh, hey, you didn't realize that there's a assessment against this, whatever, okay, oh no, we, you guys thought the sewer depths were this, they're only this. They tell us everything we need to know. Mm-hmm. We take that back to our camp. We finalize what we think we want to do. And then at that point, we do our cost estimating where we detail out our costs. And at the end of that process, we know the numbers. I say all the time, what we do is simply just math. Okay? We do the math backwards. Okay, we take what a finished home is worth. We do the math backwards. What does a builder got to make? What are the costs, right? What are the permits? And then, and that leads us to, you know, what does a builder's, yeah, the profit. And that leads us to what a finished lot is worth. Then for a finished lot, we figure, out, okay, what does a developer need to make? What are the costs to develop it, right? And then that leads us to what the raw land is worth. So at the end of that process, that due diligence process, we know what that raw land is worth. And if it matches up to the contract price, we go forward. If there were some surprises along the way or some assumptions we made that weren't accurate, that's where we present that information to the property owner and we explain why the price needs to be different than what the agreed upon current price is. So let's just say all that works out. We are past due diligence. Now we put together what's called our land use application. It's our full blown packet with surveys and studies and you know, some very preliminary engineering, we submit that in. That's called and we start submitting our land use application. Okay. Then and then that goes and the it, the, this, the jurisdiction reviews it. A lot of jurisdictions have what they call deem your application complete, meaning the packet you complete you submitted is complete. Some jurisdictions will do it right over the counter when you submit it. A lot of other jurisdictions they'll they'll take up to 30 days to tell you it's complete. From there, depending on where you are in the country you're going to get to a point where you can just receive a staff approval where they approve your plan or you might have to go to planning commission for a hearing you might have to go to city council for a hearing there's lots of variables to know how many hearings you're going to have to be or at what level the approval can happen and that process from there can take anywhere from i mean in some real simple jurisdictions that like to make our our lives you know somewhat easier, that we could get that done in sixty days. But a lot of jurisdictions, I've had that process take year to year and a half. Yeah. Once that's some, go
1: ahead,
0: and that's called. So once I say I get that stage of approval, you'll hear people call that land use approval. You'll hear them call it preliminary plat approval. You'll hear them call it preliminary engineering approval. You might even hear them call that stage entitlements. I mean, people call it all different things. Okay. Yep. Once that preliminary plan is approved, now we go and we design, we put together an, our next application. Our next, it's not really an application. It's a packet. We put together our construction drawing packet. So this is where we get into our detailed engineering. And, you know, if, it, if it's multifamily or, or industrial or commercial, not only are you gonna dial in your, your your civil engineering at that point, you're also gonna be doing your vertical engineering because the vertical and the civil, so the dirt and the vertical, the structure, are all one packet. In in related to homes, okay, or single family residential, the land is a separate process than the vertical. Okay. Yeah. So our bread and butter is single family residential. We do some multifamily and some other asset classes, but residential is where we're comfortable calling ourselves an authority or an expert. So we'll put together our civil engineering construction drawings. We'll submit that. We're going to go back and forth with the jurisdiction once to three times with red lines. Then we'll receive what's called civil engineering approval or construction drawing approval. And boom, that's when we can pull
1: permits and start building the project. Yeah, and that, that's what's really that finished lot. So people out there that are listening, if you've ever walked through a new home community, right, you see the model home, you see stuff under construction, then you see the vacant lot that has, you know, the street, the curb and gutter on it. That's what we call a finished lot. That's one where you might see it on MLS, like, hey, this is a finished lot. That usually means there's utilities on it everything else. All you have to do is get your drawings done and approved for your building permit. And those are actually your vertical. It's kind of saying like the lot's done. There might be some requirements of sewer types and things like that. But that's a finished lot. That's you can put a house on it. You put an apartment on it, you know, based if it is an apartment, it's more approvals than a house. Houses usually have fairly simple setback stuff, you know. And so right now, as we're running out of stuff, out of product, people are starting to see that. When you think of some of those stages in land, if I try to summarize, you know, Cody's, uh, you know, Cody's description there, it's like, so we start with raw land. And then we get to say, hey, we think it's approved for this based on that zoning and all of your rules. We're going to have the lots look like this and they're going to be shaped like this. And the road is going to work through it like this. And then the city's going to say, oh, well, you actually need a fire department turnaround here or you need this or you misjudged that. You also need a park or you can't cut down that tree. And they come back and say, now it needs to look like this. They go through some other, you know, there's there and there's costs with that. There's engineers with that. There's architects. There's things like that. Then they finally, after some some going back and forth and some requirements, they say, okay, now you you can put that in. So now you're yes, you're approved to put these sixteen lots here. And then Cody goes back to the team and says, all right, now we actually need to show them how we're going to do it because because it, now in theory we're approved for these sixteen lots, but we may need some super big drainage systems or what's our elevation? We're doing like soils reports, things like that. A couple different examples of deals we did, Cody, and then maybe you can give a couple examples of like a simple one and a complicated one. Back in 2005, right, when I first started as an intern with, you know, in the land department, right? We found that this farmer had a bunch of acreage and we went to him and said, hey, we think we could put a bunch of houses on your lots. And it was the same thing. We said, hey, we can give you like four million bucks for it, but only if we can actually put those lots on there. So here's how we're going to do the deal. First, we're going to give you, after our 90-day due diligence, first it was like we're going to go into escrow, we get 90 days to figure out if we can do it. We go meet with the city, they say, yep, in theory it's going to work. So then we give the guy 100000 or $200,000 non refundable at that point. That was like an option. They do options in Texas all the time for houses. Most other places they don't except for land. So we gave the guy $200,000 for the right to buy his property for like $3 million anytime in the next two years and for the right to try to get it developed. Then we started paying engineers and surveyors going through the process, getting it subdivided. Once the, once the city finally approved it, then we paid him the rest of it. I've seen people actually get it approved and not pay the sellers until final map or until finished lots are done. In those cases, it's kind of like if you're going to buy it from the guy on day one, you're going to pay $500,000 for it. If you're going to buy it from him at tentative map, you're going to pay him $1.5 million for it. Or if you're going to pay it, them pay for it at final map or finished lot process, you're going to pay them 3 million for it. So you're talking about those different phases. I remember doing a deal in the city of Santa Barbara, a different sort of finished lot. There's two houses on this lot. We're like, oh, we could put six condos there. Made a similar deal with the people that owned it and said, hey, we're going to put six condos on it. We're going to pay you 200,000 non-refundable right now. And then, you know, in a year when we have approval, it took us like 18 months to get approval in the city of Santa Barbara. And When we're approved for six lots, we're gonna pay you this. Well, when all said and done, we only got approved for five lots because they needed like eight extra parking spots for us. The all of our original stuff didn't get approved. And so then we had to go back to them and say, Hey, we only got approved for five lots instead of six. You know, so because of that, we need a discount on it. And they could have said no or yes. Good thing you hadn't closed up right? right. If we would have closed at the beginning based on like, and we were and and I was new, right? I could have just as easily said, Hey. It's really clear here. I'm going to get six lots. I did have a deal in San Diego where everybody told us we're going to get three lots on this. The architect told us, Hey, I got entitlements on it. Everybody did it. And at the end of the day, we could only get two lots on it. It was was two blocks from the beach, but two lots versus three lots, man, a $300,000 loss instead of a $300,000 win. So a big, big swing. So, what are, so my summaries of like land development to finish lot, is that in line with how it is today? Cause I haven't done this for a long time. It's been 15 so years I'm since gonna, I was doing it.
0: So this stuff is, is my world, right? So I, I mean, I can, I can go down the rabbit hole, but let me make it very simple. Raw land is when lot, most of the time the execution of a contract will happen, right? Yep. At least for, for us and what we teach and what we do. Then we go through due diligence, we submit our land use application, and we receive what's called land use approval or preliminary plat approval, okay? From there, we were, we have a preliminary approval. They allow us to do what we want to do. Then we put together our construction drawings, and we go through and we get construction drawing approval. Once we have construction drawing approval, we now can pull permits and go and Put in the infrastructure for the neighborhood. So that's the streets, the underground utilities, streetlights, curbs, gutters, sidewalk, whatever it is, right? Once we put all that in, okay, the city will come in. They're, they're going to want us to fix some stuff. But then they'll sign off that we built the project per the construction drawings. They'll sign off. And now we can record that final plat. We can record the plat. That now takes that piece of land and turns it into all these individual legal lots of record or tax lots. And then at that point, you can sell those individual lots to home builders or whoever that then can go build the structure and
1: have a home to sell.
0: That's the real basic outline of how the process works.
1: So Uh, how much... How much money can an agent make in the land business? If they, become the, if, if they become the hard worker, they become the expert. They go, this is my niche because it's impossible to get houses right now. What's, what's the reason they'd be doing this?
0: I will say that I had an agent not too long ago that... What did that agent do in that deal? Oh, that agent actually helped me. I don't really... When I go and do my deals, I don't really put them on the open market for sale. We do stuff by word of mouth. Uh, and through our networks because we don't like our deals to become overshopped. A lot of times I feel like when a project hits the open market, it tarnishes the project because most good deals get done off-market, okay? And the reason for that is is because there's no agents that feel comfortable in this space. So there's not a lot of these deals happening on the open market. But the... I wrote that I wrote that agent a check for three hundred grand for bringing me a buyer for one of my deals. I mean, I mean, I got a deal that you know. Let's say I go buy a piece of land for ten million bucks, right? Well, if there was an agent in that marketplace that really was branded in new land, there's a very good chance that seller probably would have listed it before me getting to them or before me getting them comfortable selling to me, they would have wanted to see what what that land could potentially bring on the open market. So on a $10 million deal, I mean, I mean that, what that agent's making four or 500 grand if they double side it, right. They're yeah. making, you know, you know, 200, 250 if they, if, if they don't, but the, I mean, the paydays are beautiful, but I, I mean, I can't encourage this enough. It's no one's fault. If you like the land space, if you see the potential in it, if you see where it's a blue ocean, if you see where you could go get educated and carve it out as a niche that sets you aside from the rest, you've got to find you've got to find a niche. You've got to find something as an agent that you bring to the table that other agents don't or that technology can't. Yeah. If you don't, mark my words, we're in an artificial market right now. Demand is making people money, not necessarily the value they bring to the deal or the experience and knowledge. I'm not saying land's the only place, it just happens to be where I like to play. But if you, as an agent, go get educated on how this space works, now, all of a sudden, if the market demand does take a turn, you have a lot higher shot of survival because there's not so many people in your, there's not so many fish in your pond, right? There's not, there's not so many fishermen at your pond, I should say, right? Yeah. So get educated, in something, carve out your niche, carve out your brand. Also, with are ready to land and how it works and all the elements to figuring out how the land space works and how to evaluate deals and technology and anybody can challenge me on this, this is wonderful i don't believe the technology platforms that are coming out there are going to be able to compete with a true professional expert in the land space because their models they can't get into that type of analysis okay so i didn't i just can't challenge enough and i'm on gonna do i've been working so hard the last couple years on personal growth and personal education. I'm just investing huge into growing, right? Yeah. Because if I'm not growing, I'm either going forward or backwards. There's no such thing as, not, you know, neutral. So yeah, just, man, find find your niche, get educated, become an expert, bring value to the deal.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so much lately, listeners, we've been trying to provide extra stuff to add a skill to your tool belt. I love what Cody said there when it comes to like, so Zillow, like, like the rents estimates aren't perfect, right? Like all the automated AVMs aren't perfect, but they're getting better every day, right? And when people are talking about technology that's lowering, that's making it to where, you know, agents have to have other ways to create inventory, other ways to create value, trying to find a niche where you could outperform a computer, outperform the technology that could be in super luxury stuff. That could be an extra service. That could be in how you make people look for you. Another option for that, is into a market where it is really hard to automate. So when you're talking about land, it's really hard for somebody to say, just like me, I've bought and sold a lot of land. I see 160 acres come over to me and I have no idea if it is three times the price or a third of the price that it should be. And it's gonna take me a month or two to figure it out when it comes over. It is not as simple as yes, I can pay you that right now as we get to look at it. Now, Cody, you usually teach investors how to do all this. And the, and then this whole thing is sounding like a commercial, but really it is like being able to learn so much about something that's super unique. What you're doing is super unique, and that's why it gets me so excited to, to tell people about it. But you're really teaching investors how to find land. But in theory, so many of our listeners are cold calling for sale by owners, or they're cold calling cancellations, or they're finding off market people. We have software that we're giving them hey, this is how you get off market people to reach out to you. We're teaching them about foreclosures. This is another way where they could be reaching out to raw land people just like your investors do. But then somebody says, yes, I want to sell and then becoming that expert to marry them up with who's going to buy it. Or now to go find that developer, show the developer how how to do it. Like there's a big opportunity for agents, you know, to go use your technology to go find the deal. Right.
0: Yeah. And let me let me say this. The with the right education, it's about branding. Don't try to compete with the technology. Cause you're going to lose yeah. figure out how can I pivot? What kind of brand can I create where I don't have to try to go head to head with technology. So just getting the education alone and you start networking and spreading the, you know, sharing your story and your brand, you will become the agent to go to for land. If you have, if a seller has a property owner, has a piece of land they want to sell they're going to, it's in their best interest to go to the, the agent that that's their specialty, right? Now, this is where it gets really fun. Agents, it's wonderful. You want to represent sellers or buyers and do the listings and that's all wonderful. But imagine if you were the buyer, right? So our course, we teach you, how to find the deals instead of waiting for your phone to ring or call on cancels or expires or, uh, you know, all the different opportunities that are easy to find. Right. Lots of competition. Lots of competition. Our process, we teach you how to, to through technology and remote. I can go, I don't care where you live. My team could go implement our process anywhere in the country no problem. Okay. Just through how we go about teaching it and doing it. So imagine is instead of you going and calling these deals and saying, hey, I want to, I want to list it, I'm going to teach you how to go find the off-market ones. They're not expires, they're not cancels, they're nothing of the sort. You're going to identify that property. Instead of going in and saying, Hey, I would like to help you sell your land. What if it was you were the buyer? Well, and I'm not teach. What I'm about to go to is I'm not teaching you. Okay, what, what what is on every street corner on every other Facebook ad? House wholesaling, right? Yeah. Okay. So my job as a house wholesaler is to buy stuff below market. And if you're a house wholesaler, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend you. It's just the reality of the market. I I I know lots of great people that are in the house wholesaling business. Okay, but the goal is to buy it below market flip it and make a quick spread. Okay. So more than likely you got to find a desperate or really more motivated or uneducated seller. All right. What we teach is win-win. I want you to go in and offer that property owner market value. What is that land worth? That is what I want you to offer them. You don't need to try to pull a quick one or try to get it way below market. That's not what we teach. What I want you to do is now learn how to go find these deals, know how to structure them correctly, price them correctly based upon because you have the right education to know how to do it. And then you bring that deal to a developer like myself or or one of the publics or whoever it may be. You bring that deal in to whoever. This isn't a pitch for you to go bring deals to me. Okay, bring it to whoever you want. But my point is, if you go package that deal correctly, you put it together, you found it off market. You know how much value you bring? I wouldn't have that deal if it wasn't for you. Okay? Because it's off market. And you bring so much value because you actually know what you're doing. And so it's priced correctly. It's structured correctly. So guess what? You now can just bring me into that deal. You can assign it to me if you want. By the way, the contract we offer is a beautiful contract and I probably I have over six figures into building that contract over the last 20 years but the the you sign it to me I'll take it over you're now my development partner I'm gonna I or not as an assignment you're not my development partner I'm gonna figure out what's a fair assignment fee for all that value I'm gonna do that deal for a lower margin because you are, you, the value you bring just by finding it and packaging it correctly is a beautiful thing. I now don't have to go do it myself. And I don't have to, if it's, if it's an on-market deal, I don't have to bloody my, my forehead up competing with everybody else. So you're going to get cut in on my margin. I'm going to give up part of my margin for you assignment that deal. Or you might do what we might do. You don't have assignment rights in your contract. Fine, we'll do a simultaneous close, a double close. Okay, Well, I'll we'll get it through the approval process. You'll close with the seller. I'll close with you and I'm going to pay you more than what you have it tied up for. And, and, and you're going to make a beautiful payday. And there's, I've done this a gazillion times, many deals I don't develop. And here's why. Because somebody, I won't say any specific names. There's many of them. They make me an offer at approvals that I can't refuse. Okay. Therefore, I have a basic one-on-one way of thinking. If someone makes me an offer for something that's more than what I'd pay myself, I sell it. Otherwise I bought it for that. And so what happens is these guys, we do simultaneous closes and I can show you payday after payday where I've made seven figures doing double closings or simultaneous closes. I've done it over and over and over again. So, but it's not possible if I don't know the process, if I don't know how it works.
1: Yeah. What it, like, so this isn't your, it's not a $10,000 wholesale. It's not a $20,000 wholesale. These are, it's, it's, a, it's the same concept of, find, of a wholesaler. But you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on deals out there. So, the Cody, we, we've got a few minutes left, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears from land to some other cool stuff you talked about. in the last couple of years really getting into mindset and masterminds. Before we do that, so listeners, stay on. We got another six or seven minutes. We're gonna add a bunch more value here. But what's the so you've got a special code or a login or something for our, our listeners. If they actually want to take your class, they can get a, they can get a discount. They can go find it wherever. Where, where, where are we going to send them? What, do you have a special link or what should we do?
0: Yeah. So my team actually sent me the link today that they put together specifically for this podcast. And so if you go to vestright.com, so that's V-E-S-T-R-I-G-H-T.com slash Land, L A N D, 101. They like put that. together, you go to that URL and they're going to give you a free book. And the title of that book is uh, that uh, it's pulled from some of our content. The title of that book is called seven figure land paydays. Okay. It's actually, that's a horrible title. When I was going to say,
1: hard. if you can't remember your title right away, you got a kink of a, of a, it should be the land, land rock stars. The, uh, so we get to. Yeah. yeah
0: and that's horrible because the team, and all if I, in all transparency, that the team does a lot of that, that's horrible, but yeah. Um, so it's, it's I'm an ebook kidding. about how we basically make these seven figure paydays on land deals. Yeah. So go to that URL. So slash land one oh one, and and they have a free free book there for, awesome. your,
1: for your audience. Bestright.com forward slash land one oh one. So now let's switch gears a little bit because the I mean you've been a developer for nineteen years you more, re- I, there's so many fun things about your and my story that get to line up with grandparents and land development, dads that were custom home builders that, that worked until the, you know, the years they died instead of being able to, you know, scale sure. businesses up. And then now in just the last few years, figuring out there's more to life and there's so many different things. So let's talk mindset or whatever else. What was the number one thing you learned in 2020 about anything about real estate, about your personal life, about the world? What, what did you learn in 2020?
0: hands down, no questions asked for me was to get out of the way. All right. So in my business, allied development and in my business, best right, I have a CEO in both companies and both those CEOs were hired within the last six months. The best thing I could do for my companies, I think people sometimes get an unhealthy relationship happening with their businesses. Mm-hmm. And Your business is a tool, okay? Your business is is potentially an asset, right? And don't get me wrong. Our businesses are a lot of times part of our legacy. But don't get an unhealthy relationship with your business. So what I, and I don't. So the best thing I did in 2020 is I knew I had to get out of the way. I'm not a CEO. I'm not an executive. I'm a visionary creative. And I need to spend my time as an owner and a founder on the why of the company, our just cause, our foundation, our core values, right? How as a company do we have impact and purpose and make a difference and give back? How do we do legacy type movements? So that's where I'm now spending a lot of my time and I'm just having so much fun. I spent a time just actually, I just got off the call today with a gentleman by the name of Lee, he's, he's, um, he, he's kind of partners with Simon Sinek, right? So the book of Find Your Why or Start With Why. And word it's pounding in to just me just dialing in why, right? Why am I here? Why are these businesses in existence? What is the impact, the purpose? I don't really believe – I've never said this, I don't think, publicly. I don't really believe in the word happy, okay? okay. I believe in the word fulfillment. Okay. When people say, oh, I just want to be happy or, or no, you want to be fulfilled. Okay. And so many people that have everything, at least in the worldly eye, they have everything, yeah. but they're miserable. Okay. I've been it's there. because they're missing something that brings purpose to their life. Okay. Slash- impact to others that will satisfy a certain level of fulfillment. At the end of the day, if you aren't living in fulfillment, we'll go use the the word, the, the word that everybody likes you to use. Without fulfillment, you will never be happy. Okay, Fulfillment is the key. So what elements are missing in your life for you to truly be fulfilled? And I guarantee you this. If you aren't making a difference, if you aren't somehow giving back, and I don't mean financial, but if you somehow aren't making a difference in those around you or your community, I guarantee, I guarantee, challenge me as much as you want. I guarantee you don't have fulfillment. I guarantee you don't have, quote, quote, true happiness.
1: It's not possible. I like that. I might get a, I'll bet I'll get a couple of Instagram messages and go, well, no, here is that. Here's that <laughs> way. But the but I, I love those. I love when we get to challenge people. Did your business change with COVID back? Like, so it was like a year ago, March, April. Like I was scared to death about what was going to happen in the world. I went from having a, a, a mindset of there's plenty out there, an abundance mindset to, oh, my gosh, I need to hold on. I need to not lose what I have. Forget trying to grow anything. I need to not lose what I have. My whole, like I was terrified for a couple months. Were you, was there a change? Was downturn? I went through the last downturn and I I
0: learned a lot through it. And I'm committed to doing everything I can and not make those same mistakes. I want, you build wealth through timing, period. Okay. Real wealth is built through timing. I should have built so much wealth in the last downturn but I was too uneducated to know how to do it. That's and the so moves nice I needed story. to make, I should have just killed it last downturn. I didn't. I was just doing everything I could to not spill. I mean, I was spilling blood all over the streets. But thank the Lord, I didn't go bankrupt. But I I, I lost 90% of my net worth in the last downturn. So, yeah, when COVID hits, I'm like, oh, boy. Right? So what did I do? I... Actually, I had started a new division of my company in February. Mm -hmm. I shut it down in March, okay? Because it didn't have enough momentum or enough going that I just, boom, cut it, right? I don't think there's anything worse than making decisions too late, right? Be early to make the decision. Be safe than sorry. Let me say that again be safe than sorry. Because if you're safe, you always live, you got another, there's going to be another day to play, right? So, yeah, I mean, I my business overall has not been affected by COVID, actually just the opposite because of all the helicopter money happening right now from the feds and all the pent up demand and in in real estate. I mean, my business has more opportunity right now than ever. But in the beginning stages there, we weren't sure quite what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I had remembered the downturn too. I remembered as home builders, we were getting, you know, we were dropping prices every week back in, you know, 2007, 2008. We had people offering us 70, 80 cents on the dollar and we would laugh at them. And then a year later, we sold them for 40 to 50 cents on the dollar. And so when this one hit, same thing, I was like, it's going to crash like last time. I'm going to drop my prices of everything I want to sell to like 10% below market right now. So it sells today. Right. Yes. And the and the idea was at that time, I was thinking I might be wrong, but if I do, if I'm wrong and this turns around, then I'm going to lose 10, 10 cents on the dollar on you know, a few of my assets. But if I'm wrong, I'm going to earn it back pretty quick. But yes. if I'm right. But that's that is one thing that I learned in the last downturn. Now, I, I kind of got it wrong because the market turned around. But I tell you what, when I sold the, the, those things in April and May, yes. it made me feel so much safer. Of I've minimized my downturn. I minimized the, 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 how far down it can go. So, yes, yeah. I should have held those for an extra six. I should have not sold them actually ever. And I should still own those properties that I fire sold.
0: But, the, but how do you put a price on peace of mind?
1: Yeah. It was if stuff starts to go bad, I would rather be first. I would rather cut the cost because I just, well, the biggest thing I learned in that downturn before was when the market starts going down, oh. the, it's better to be early than late. Yes. Yes, 100%. we wanted we wanted so many of those 70 or 80 cents on the dollar offers back, you know, six or nine months later when we just couldn't do it. But great stuff, Cody. D. So people are going to be able to I mean, we're totally out of time. We've had a we've had a long conversation and a long stuff. People are totally going to want to reach out to you. So we already gave them Vestrite.com forward slash land 101. Somebody yes. might want to message you on social or email or something like that. Somebody just has a random question for you or they want to tell you that you don't know about happiness after all. How, how do you want them to find you and reach out to you? Uh- and by the way, I don't I don't claim to be a, a personal I'm, I'm just messing expert, with you. But yeah. um, but I,
0: I welcome the challenges. But go on Facebook and, and type in my name Cody C O D Y last name Bugan, which is B as in boy J U G A N. So Cody Bugan, the J is silent when saying Bugan. Cody Bugan Vestrite V E S T R I G H T. We have tons of content on there. Get on there, follow us, like us if. If you if if you would, that'd be wonderful. But I have we have wonderful content on there. You can see what we're all about, and you can message us, engage with us, and we have also a separate group we can put you into that. And uh, anyways, yeah, I'd I'd love for you to be a part of our journey. And we truly, the reason we started VestRight, the tagline of that company is transforming lives through real estate, is is that no one else is out there teaching this stuff because they're making so much money doing it. But here again, what did I talk about? Fulfillment. You can't have fulfillment unless you're making a difference, giving back, making a make an impact. Well, that's what Best Right is for me. Is taking what I've learned over 20 years through hard knocks and the hard way, and putting it out there for the world. And hopefully, well, already we're transforming people's lives. Yeah, a part of transforming their lives.
1: You know, uh, real estate rock stars, you guys listening today. Hopefully, you are inspired with wanting to learn a little bit more about land. Hopefully you actually learned a little bit about land today. And the and if it's sa- and if and if something hit today that got super, super exciting, I think you should go learn more. Whether that's over with best right or there's other other places out there for you to go learn. I mean, I think land is if it lights you up, and I remember I graduated in construction management, I learned how to be a home builder. But what really lit me up was land development, was doing that, you know, working with the people in downtown Santa Barbara, trying to put you know condos where houses were and stuff like that it is a neat niche there's, there's nothing quite like it so guys go check out Cody hopefully we've inspired you a little bit uh with all sorts of different things so real estate rock stars thanks for listening Cody thanks for joining me thanks for having me all right real estate rock stars this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show